Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Praise God. Let's look to the Lord. Lord, we're just excited about what you're doing in our lives and our homes and our families. Thank you for your grace and your favor. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your unmerited love, your perfect love for us, uncompromising. Thank you, Jesus. Unconditional. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, everybody. All those lovely smiling faces. You know, uh, we certainly live in exciting times. If you don't know that, you've been living in a cave. I mean... Just who would imagine, who would have thought just a couple of years ago, I mean, pandemics, war, just lately we've been ministering to a lot of people about fear. One couple that we'd known a long time, he lost his job and they've just lost their home. You know, just terrible things, fear, hopelessness, depression, loneliness, divided churches, economic stress. But God is the answer. How many of you know he's still on the throne? Can I have an amen? Amen. You know, I've been studying John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I've been actually studying him for about a year. The disciple whom Jesus loved. What an awesome, awesome bloke. I mean, he's a man that served really the Lord almost all of his life. He's the only disciple who doesn't die a martyr's death. Think about that. All the others die martyr's death. I'm not putting it down. Even Paul has his head cut off. But John lives till over 100 years of age. And I was reading, it starts off, how many of you know that Jesus ticked him off big time at the start because he was offended and so he thought they'd call fire down on people. Remember that? And Jesus said, so that's what you do. If you're ticked off, you can just burn people up, I suppose. And Jesus said, you don't even want to know what spirit that you're of. And calls him a son of thunder. But at the end of his life, probably 103 years old, he's now the apostle of love. How do you go from being a narcissistic, full of yourself, in love with your mirror, hello, is that right? Son of thunder to the apostle of love that he doesn't even use his name. You know, Matthew, Mark and Luke all use their names. John doesn't. He describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, if you know anything about uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke, what's called the synoptic gospels, they're written maybe 18 months of Jesus' death. They're similar, synoptic means similar. They're written from a Hebrew perspective, stories, narratives, parables. But John's is written 60 to 65 years later at the end of his life. And it's completely different. It's written from a Greek perspective. He records more of Jesus' words than the other three probably combined. He uses the, the word love 57 times. I like that. That's three times more than the, old, the other Gospels combined. He uses the term believe much more. Matthew, I think about seven. Luke, about five times. Mark, about seven. But John uses it something like 75 times, urging us simply to believe. Just believe. Believers are supposed to believe. Is that right or not? 
So, you know, here's the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote more books of the Bible, the New Testament, than anybody but Paul. The Gospel of John, the Epistles, 1 John, 2 and 3 John, and the book of Revelation. Not Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. And it's not Revelation of end times. It's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Read it for yourself. That's what John says. If you don't understand who it's written to or who it's written about, you really won't understand it. So John, here he, um, and I've been studying this man. I, I, I love him. I'm, I just like this bloke. He's written at the end of his life. He writes, well, let me just give you a few things that he writes. In his gospel, he writes John chapter 2, the wedding, the first miracle. Only John records that. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Only John records that. People looking at me, really, check it out for yourself. In John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world. Only John records that. John chapter 4, the woman at the world. John records that. John 11, raising of Lazarus. Only John records that. John 13, the washing of the disciples' feet. Only John records it. And what makes it amazing is he writes, he records it 60 to 65 years later at the end of his life. That's not bad from memory. I'd be struggling to write down what I preached last year, but 60 to 65 years later, I believe that's got to be God. Can I have an amen? But he didn't start off that way. He was the son of thunder, but ends up the apostle of love. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves five times. Five's a number of grace. When I first read that, when I first saw that, I thought that he's narcissistic, full of himself. He, he's indicating that the Lord doesn't love anybody else but him. But that's not what he means. He's the only one that has a revelation of how much God loves him. I, I find the vast majority of people I minister to say they don't feel worthy of God's love. Well, you'll never be worthy of it. That's why it's called unconditional. It's called perfect love. You know, when we talk about love, again, there's different words for love. Peter operates phileo love, friendly love, brotherly love. If you love me, I'll love you back. But John operates by agape love, the perfect love of God. Is that awesome or what? And he has this, as I say here, you know, Peter's thinking about phileo. Peter's full of himself, bravado, self-confidence, willpower. <laughs> Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit at the right hand? <laughs> Look, who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father? And all that John wants to do is sit with his head on Jesus' breast. Is that right or not? Remember the Last Supper? Michelangelo's painting. Peter's up the other end of the table. It's hard to have an intimate relationship with somebody from a long distance. But John is here with his head on Jesus' breast. The only one that hears the heartbeat of God. Think about that. You know, remember Peter? If I, everybody else quits, I'll be with you to the end. Yeah, right. Have you ever said some things you wish you'd never said? He's just full of himself. If everybody else quits, I'll be with you. You can rely on the big Pete, the big fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> even if it costs me my life, he's the first to quit. A teenage girl gets you. Is that right or not? Gets his measure. But John, oh, anyway, I like it. And it's a natural love with John. It's un, just a completely natural love. He's not even really aware of it. It's not put on or, you know, forced in any way. The disciple whom Jesus loves. I keep thinking about that. He selected to write the book of Revelation. If you've got your Bibles there, go to Revelation with me just for a moment. How many of you believe the Bible? 
I mean, how many of you really, really believe the Bible? I was thinking about this, you know, my, my goodness, how many of you need some hope out there in what we're going through today? And when I look at John, I think this man, he goes through all of these horrific things we'll look about. They try to boil him in oil. They try to banish him to Patmos. They try to poison him, but they couldn't kill him because love never fails. Is that right or not? Think about that. Perfect love. In Revelation chapter 1 here, in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. And what's going on here, if you remember, with, with John, is that he's on the Isle of Patmos. Let me give you some background. He was an old man serving the Lord in Ephesus. And the Roman emperor Domitian, who is in total narcissistic, he thinks he's God, that he has to be worshipped. He builds temples. He says, decrees that you have to pay homage, burn incense. Well, John's not going to do that. And so somewhere along the line, he fails to bow his knee. And so the, someone dobs him in and the Roman soldiers front up one day and knock on the door. They arrest him. They take him in chains to Rome. And he appears before the Roman emperor Domitian. This is the last of the apostles. This is the last thorn in the flesh for the Roman emperor. And so he's going to make an example of him. And so they take him to the Roman Colosseum. How many of you know the Romans were bloodthirsty, cruel people? Throwing Christians to the lion, lighting them up like Roman candles. And then he issues a decree, bow your knee or you're dead. John says, just give it your best shot. I like this man. I just like him. And so what they do, they try to boil him in oil. Go to church history, you can read it for yourself. Domitian is so demented that he's going to make an example. So they, any, how many of you know boiling oil hurts? I mean, you have a little bit of cooking chips and it hurts. And they take this man and they dip him into boiling oil in chains. And Domitian's, you know, demented. He's happy. Got rid of this man, the last of the apostles. Oh, you beauty. And they bring him up and he doesn't have a scratch, not a mark. Doesn't that sound like the, the fiery furnace? And so to try, because Domitian is so scared of this man, they do it again. Second time, he comes up completely unscathed because love never fails. And so they banish him to Patmos, and Patmos is like Alcatraz. There's no trees on the island anymore. There's very little water. There's hardly any food. As a political prisoner, you're given no food, no clothes, nowhere to live. Just live or die. They think he's going to die there, but he finds a cave. Still there to this day called the Cave of Revelation. And he starts a church, a flourishing church on Patmos. I like this man. He takes a negative and turns it into a positive. Can I have an amen? He takes something they mean to destroy him. When he leaves, there's a flourishing church on Patmos. Love never fails. But while he's on Patmos, how many of you know what happens is the Lord appears to him. He says, I was in the Spirit. Look there in, uh, in, in verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John, uh, from my studying of his writings, is the only one that seems to understand about, you know, entering the Spirit. He talks about in John 14, I think it is, I'll send you another comforter who'll lead you, guide you, show you things to come. Hello, can I have an amen? You better learn to hear God for yourself. I feel a love's going to come now. It can cost you your life. It can cost you your business. How many of you lost money in Bitcoin or is this too deep? Hello? We've all, is that right? I mean, we've all, we've, 
We've heard the voice of God, but we completely... Anyway, we're not going there. <laughs> Shall we have an order call for liars? You all know what I'm talking about. But he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He understands how to get into the Spirit. And the, and the Lord speaks to him and tells him to, to write what he write it down. He's slain in the Spirit. He's struck down as dead. He writes the book of Revelation. I like that. Revelation. Everybody say Revelation. You know, and the more we look at it, you know, go, go to John chapter 19. Let's look at some of this with, with John because I won't have time to get into it all. But here we find that John is at the cross. John chapter 19, read with me from verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. A lot of people think that, that John died on Patmos, but he didn't. He was only there for maybe 18 months. And when he comes back, when Domitian is assassinated, he takes care of Jesus' mother for the rest of her life. Isn't that what he was asked to do? That's called faithfulness. Can I have an amen or what? And so here, they're at the cross. Now you imagine what's going on. Jesus is hanging on the cross. You imagine the immense pain that he's going through. And he looks down with those great big brown eyes and he looks down, is that right? And he starts to think, well, hang on a minute. I remember we started off with 120 blokes. We got down to 70. Hello? Eventually we got down to 12, is that right? And eventually to the three, the inner circle, Peter, James and John. But I look down, I only see one man. One man. Can I have an amen? John the disciple whom Jesus loved. If I was Jesus, I'm thinking, well, where's the others? Where's loudmouth Peter? Shot his mouth, is that right? Shot his mouth off, did never quit, never leave, hello, even if I got, where's he? He's the first one to quit, gone. Anyway, and John, I believe, operates an entirely different, you know, uh, way to, to Peter. Peter operates phileo, self-promotion, bravado, make it happen, do it yourself, there's no game without pain, hello, but John operates by the love of God. Can I have an amen or what? Unconditional love. It's called favor. Can I read you here a quote? I've got a book. I just finished this here if you want some. We, I sold the whole lot out the first service, but you can, if you put your name down, I'll send some up. But listen here and, and, and switch your head off just for a minute. We're all God's favorites, but John knew the secret of of. of accessing Jesus' unmerited favour for himself. That's why he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's your prerogative to see yourself as the disciple whom Jesus loves and to call yourself that. When I started to teach that secret of John's favour lay in his personalisation of God's love, the people in my church literally stepped into a new dimension of experiencing God's unmerited favour for themselves in their lives. Joseph Prince. Think about that. When they had a, revelized, a, a, a revelation of God's unmerited favour for you. Today, you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. Can I have an amen? You're the disciple whom Jesus loves. I love that. The more, you know, but many of us, with John, it's unconditional, but, but it's a natural love. Think about that. Just completely natural. 
How many of you know there are some people out there just, anyway, we'll not go there. Some people are just super spiritual. And this is me anyway. Let me, let me read you what, again, this is from the message, what agape love actually is. Love stays in difficult relationships with kindness. Love does not play one-upmanship, nor does it react to those who do. Love is not rude or grasping or overly sensitive, nor does it love search for imperfections and faults in other people. Love celebrates what's real, not what's perverse or incomplete. Love is the most enduring quality of human existence. It keeps on keeping on. It trusts in God in every situation and expects God to act in all circumstances. Nothing can destroy it. There's faith. There's hope. But love is the greatest. Can I have an amen? Doesn't Scripture say love is the greatest? How often do we hear a message on love? It's usually on love. And I'm not knocking faith and hope. That's one. You can't have faith if you don't have hope. But what about simply love? Is that right or not? You know, and here I just see John. I mean, the only disciple that stays at the cross. In John chapter 13, if you'll go there with me quickly, he talks about here, this is the Last Supper. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 are what's called the red letters. And this is. John recording Jesus' actual words. And so he says here, let me pick it up, in John chapter 13, verse 21, he says, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. There was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter therefore motioned him to ask, who it was who spoke. Peter's up the other end of the table. He says, hey, hey, John, ask him. Ask him yourself. Hello. But they realise John has an intimate relationship. Can I have an amen? A friendship, really, with Jesus that the others don't really have. And so he asked. Now, think about this for a moment, you know. Anyway, John's there with his head on Jesus' lap, uh, on breast. He's the only one that really hears the heartbeat of God. Anyway. You can't have intimacy at a distance. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, it says, is what, as I say, is John recording Jesus' actual conversation, his actual words. For instance, in John chapter 14, verse 1, he records, let not your heart be troubled. Only John records that. In John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I give unto you. Only John records that. In John chapter 15, verse 11, my joy I might remain in you. Only John records that. John chapter 16, verses 7, 13, he talks about I'll send you another spirit. Let me read you here how John writes. He says here, <clears throat> let me pick it up for a minute. In John chapter 14, verse 25, these things have I spoken to you that while you've been present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, he will, what, teach you all things. Hello? Bring you to remembrance of all things that I said to you. Can I have an amen? He says, I'll send you another comforter to lead you and guide you and show you things to come. At the risk of offending people, he didn't send a prophet. Oh, Phil, I love going to come now. I didn't say there's not a place for a prophet. But today, if you get a direction for a prophet, that's all covenant. That's all testament. You're supposed to get direction from the Holy Spirit within you. 
And a, is that right or not? And a prophet can give you confirmation for sure. But it's wrong to take direction from a man. It's totally wrong to do that. And that's why many of us go astray. We'll just take anything that's... Anyway. I passed the United States for two years totally out of the will of God. I'm telling you, totally out of the will of God. I, I, I know it now. You know, when I lived in Darwin, I had a gun shop, fishing tackle shop. I've, been, I've walked on the back of a crocodile in the mud. My four-wheel drive's been charged by a buffalo, lifted off the ground, the front end. I've never got a scratch. I'm in America, out of the will of God. I end up in hospital with mononucleosis and hepatitis together. Now, I'm not saying that's God. I said I was totally out of the will of God. Can I have an amen or what? Because I listened to somebody. Anyway, and I knew, I'm just being honest, I knew it was wrong, but I wanted to do it. Oh, Villa Love's coming now. Can I, is that right or not? You don't look at me so super spiritual. Watch out, your halos don't slip down and strangle you to death. You know what I'm talking about. You know it's not right. You know in your spirit something says don't do this. Anyway, moving right along. But here, John records all of this. He's the only one. The Last Supper, as I say. In John chapter, 16, John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. Only John records that. I'm not saying that Matthew, Mark, and Luke aren't important. All scriptures given by the inspiration of God. I'm saying John is different. He sees things differently. He sees Jesus as God. He's the only one that records that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Only John records that. He talks about the grace of God. The others don't see that as the same. Anyway, and I believe that's why he understands the grace, the goodness of God, the unmerited favor of God. They tried to boil him in oil, couldn't kill him. They banished him to Patmos, they couldn't kill him. They tried to poison him, couldn't kill him. Hey, all of these things, and at the end of his life, he's over 100 years of age. He begins to write and he records it, and only John records these things. He's so, you know, at the, when Jesus is in the garden, how many of you know how I many he's in intense pain, what he's going through? And how many of you know he comes back and he, three times he says, couldn't you stay awake? Not even for one. He speaks specifically to Peter. He says, couldn't you not stay awake? Only one man thinks it's important enough to stay awake to record these words is John. We wouldn't even have those words if John hadn't stayed awake. Does that make him better? No. It means that he had a different perspective. And instead of operating about my love for God, he's operating at God's love for me. Can I have an amen? We say we found the Lord. No, you didn't. He found you. And you simply responded to that. For God so loved the world. Can I have an amen or what? You don't have to respond, but hey, how many know that he loves, you know, and I, and I love that, that revelation. Only John records that. You know, the more I, I look and the more I was studying that, it, it excites me. I can see a man that goes through all of these things, hello, and at the end of his life, think about this, he's 100, I believe he's 103. He fronts up to the temple, an old man. And they recognize him. They say, whoa, come on, come up, come up. You know, and say a few things. Now you imagine, we're preachers. We know how, oh, is that right? We can go for a couple of days. I remember at one time at my own church in Darwin, Jan's sister, reckoned, well, I asked her to give a testimony. Hello? She said, oh, I couldn't do that. Hey, she could talk underwater with a mouth full of marbles. She said, oh, I couldn't do that. So she, I said, just three minutes. Ten minutes later, we're fighting over the microphone. So we have an order call for liars. 
And then they'll try to tell you God told them. Oh, I feel alone. Anyway. So anyway, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> can't, can't be God. But, you know, it's important, I believe. You know, anyway, I forgot what I was going to say then. But John, oh, so John comes on up. He's 103, I believe. Now, you imagine what he could say. You imagine the, his resume. I mean, today, is that right? You write a book, is that right? And you're an apostle or a prophet, and you're, and you're a doctor of this, and more degrees than a thermometer, all the resumes. Is that right or not? Hello? Half a page of resume. And John comes up. Imagine what he could say. Hey, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm the only disciple who didn't die a martyr's death. I was the last one at the cross. I took care of Jesus' mother. Hello, is that right or not? I survived Patmos. I was selected to write the book of... He says, none of it. He doesn't even use his name. He says, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. It's called humility. Can I have an amen? And God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. I don't mean to be smart. I love your pastors. They're great here. But I travel a lot. I can tell you humility is pretty limited in much of the church. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that point. And you've got to deal with it anyway. But think about this. I mean, he gets up there and they hand him the microphone. Well, that's a bit loose. And they're all waiting. Here's the man that walked and talked with Jesus. The only survivor. And he wrote... That's why he says, you know, in First John, he says, if anyone that says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh is a liar. We handled the word of truth. I, is that right? I was there. I handled it. Can I? Hi, hello? So they're expecting this great revelation. He gets up and he looks at the people and he says, love one another and sits down. They go, well, well wait, wait. Surely again. Hello? All those years. Come on, back up. And, I mean, come on. 103, gets back up the front, stands up. They're all waiting. He looks and says, love one another and sits down. They go, we expected more. Come on, revel you know. Comes up the third time. Looks at the people and he says, love one another. They said, well, why would you just say that? And he says, because that was the only command our Lord gave us. The only command, the law of the New Testament is simply to love one another. And it's probably the most neglected. Can I have an amen? I don't mean to be rude. Most abused and neglected of all. I include myself. How do you love your neighbor, the neighbor from hell? Somebody that hates your dog and kicks your dog. Hello? Because your dog does whoopsie on his lawn or something like that. He hates my dog. Hello? I mean, it's all right to be real. Bless him. I'll bless him with a brick and a head. And then I realized the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. The love of God, the agape love of God has been shed. All I've got to do is let it out. Believe it. Hello, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Instead of big noting myself like Peter and push and shove, just allow the love of God to flow through me. I shared in the first service that some time ago, I believe the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, hey, you don't even know your neighbours. You want to go to Afghanistan to minister and that? You don't even know your neighbours. Is this too deep? And so Christmas, we knock on every door in our street. In my street, it's Spot the Aussie. Hello, I'm not being smart. I love them. But a lot of people don't even speak English. How do I relate to the Chinese and the Japanese? That my, my Japanese is limited to Honda and Toyota. Oh, how do I relate to the people? I'm just being honest. How do I relate? 
So I knock on every door with a box of chocolates. I live next door to a doctor from Iran. I knock on the door and I said, hey, Ali, we're Christians and that means we give gifts. Here's I just want to bless you. You know, we love you. And he's, what, what's this? Maybe he thought it was a bomb. Ooh, what's this? He didn't know how to react. I knocked on every door. Next day in my letterbox is a pile of cards this high. Thank you for your kindness. Now people wave to me, love my dog, except the neighbour from hell that still kicks my dog. Anybody? <laughs> is it all right to be real? There's always a few thorns in the flesh. Can I? But I'm still working on it. Is that right or not? And I try to not let my dog go and do whoopsie on his lawn. But anyway. But I'm learning from John, the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. At the end of his life, I mean, Peter struggles. He's like a yo-yo up and down. One day Jesus commends him. The next day he says, get behind me, Satan. But John is steady and reliable. He goes from a teenager. He met Jesus as a teenager. He's still serving God at over 100 years of age. Anybody? That, that encourages me. Is that right? That encourages me that you can serve through all of those things. Go to John chapter 21. If you don't believe me, quickly, John chapter 21. And here you find this is after the, you know, Jesus' resurrection. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Uh, we'll drop down a little bit, verse 4. When morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered and said, no. He says, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Verse 7, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's there, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now notice something, the only one of the disciples that recognises Jesus is John. Look, read it. The others are thick as a brick. Hello, is that right or not? The forest gumps of the ministry. The only one that recognises Jesus is John. He says, whoa, Pete, look, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter grabs his scope, dives in and swims away for him. Is that, is that right or not? They all could have. Verse 9, they, they came to land. They saw a fire of coals, fish laid on the bread. Jesus speaks to them and dropped down. And we'll see here to verse 15. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Agape. The perfect love of God. And Simon Peter says, I love you, phileo, phileo. I love you friendly. Friendly, brotherly love. And Jesus says to him again, do you love me agape? Have you got a revelation of agape love? He says, no, I just love you phileo. So finally Jesus comes down and he says, do you love me phileo? And he says, yes. No, so Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say follow the Christians. Hello, I feel a love. He doesn't say follow the mob because usually the mob's wrong. I feel a love's going to come now. Is that right or not? He said, follow me. And I believe that's a word for us. We shouldn't be just following people. You should learn to hear God for yourself. Particularly, you know, with the elections coming, don't listen to all the mob. Pray about it for yourself. Hear God for yourself. Can I have an amen or what? It's wrong for us to tell you who or what. That's our to Learn to hear God for yourself. Pray about it. Spend a bit of, spend a bit of time. Pray for your nation. Say, to, I, I, I want to bless my nation. Hello, fast for a couple of days. And hear, anyway. Do I lie or what? Follow me, he says, not the crowd. 
you know, Peter's struggling up and down. Isn't it amazing that after all that, he looks over and, 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 Peter, and John, Jesus says, well, follow me now, you know. He tells him how his end, life's going to end up. And what does Peter do? He looks over and says, well, what about him? What about him? It's none of your business. What about him? See, Jesus tells him how Peter's going to end up and it's not going to be a nice ending. And so Peter's still full of himself. He says, well, what about him? If he has, maybe he'll have a worse ending than me. That'll make me happier. <laughs> do I lie? And Jesus said, that's no, nothing to do with you. The only man that serves God all of his life virtually is John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. I love that. Quick, quickly, go to First John. We're nearly out of time here. So First John. How many of you still believe Bible? First John chapter 4, look at verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Look at verse 16. And we have known, we have known and believed. We have known and believed. We have known and believed what? The love that God has for us. Is that what it says? Not talking about your love for God. He says we know and believe the love that God has for us. That's called agape. Is that right? Perfect love. Uncomplicated. Is that right? Uncompromising, man. Unconditional love. God, you can't say that. That's what the gospel is. I am. So you're giving us a license of sin. You don't need a license. You're going to do it anyway. Don't lie about it. But I tell you this. With that sin, is that right? Comes complications. Is that right or not? You know, God will forgive you. Man won't. The world certainly won't. There's certain, is that right or not? There are, you know, what's the word I want? Um, Consequences. There are consequences for sin. No one's telling you to sin. Hello? There are consequences to sin. But God loves you, unconditionally loves you. I, I, I love that. It's so easy to minister to people when you just talk about the love of God. I was telling my barber, God loves you. Lady barber, she starts crying in the middle of the me, at the middle of the, they're all looking at me. I never laid a hand, I never touched this woman. I said, God loves you. She said, you don't even know what I've done. I said, it's not based on what you or I have done. If that's the case, I don't qualify. It's based on accepting what he's done for us. Is that right or not? Based on accepting what he's done for us. Man, I, anyway, it's as simple as that. First John again, look with me here. He goes down in, in, in verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Is that right? But perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Perfect love. No, that's not talking about your love. Your love's not perfect. It's talking about God's love for you. When you get a revelation of how much God loves you as you are, hello, it doesn't matter what the price of bread's going to go to. It doesn't matter what the price of petrol's going to go to. Is that right or not? If God is your supplier, hello, unmerited favor, is that right? It is irrespective. I'm not saying I'm happy about it. Hey, I was saying in the first session, what's sourdough bread's now, what, seven bucks a loaf? Whew. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't matter what the, is that right or not? If God is your supplier. John, all three, like they tried to boil him in oil. They tried to kill the man. They banished in the past. None of it works. At the end of his life, he says, love one another. 
love one another. Look at 1 John chapter 3 quickly. I love this. Verse 1, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Read it in the modern translation. He goes, wow, the end of his life. He's 100 years old. He goes, wow, what manner, what sort of love is this that he's lavished on us? Because he has a daily encounter. Is that right? A daily fellowship with the Lord. That agape love, daily, not occasionally, but day after day. Peter's up and down like a yo-yo. John is regular, stable, natural because of that relationship with that. Is that right or not? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. That doesn't mean he didn't love anybody else. He's saying, I've just got a revelation of how much he loves me. Today, you're the disciple whom Jesus loved. You are. Get a revelation. Pray about it. I'm the disciple whom Jesus... I, I believe I'm his favorite. Hello, maybe you do too. Hello, don't shake my tree. Don't rattle my tree. I'm happy. I might be a nut, but I'm a happy nut. If you've got to be nuts, be happy about it. But get a revelation. I don't mean to be rude, but so many people are bound up in fear and anxiety and scared. Well, hey, this didn't take God by surprise. Here's poor old God just created the universe. Whoa, I missed that pandemic, missed that one bad. <laughs> I didn't see bread going to that man. <laughs> anyway, at the end of his life, an old man, just three words, love one another. Imagine if we actually did. See, I believe that wouldn't have the divorce rate, that one thing alone. Just love one another. My mum and dad were married to each other for 74 years. Only Christians 10 years. I learned more about families from my parents than I ever, ever learned from the church. You know, and I, and I said, Dad, how do you stay married to the same person for 74 years? He said, learn to be less selfish. See, that would halve the divorce rate. That one, is that right or not? Today we have separate bank accounts, separate uh, holidays. I feel the love's coming now. Do I lie? Separate lives. Anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just say this and we never need to close? I'm tired of being Peter. I want to be John. I want to just be natural, unselfish, effortless, just glorifying Jesus. Not ourselves, not people. Just glorifying. Make him the center of your life, the center of your marriage. Not just something we say. Make him the center of your life. Every morning when you get up, first thing, Morning, Lord. Is that right or not? That established, do you wake up and just ignore your wife? Hey, spirit, a slap will come on now straight away. I talk to my wife straight away. Anybody else out there, is that right? I talk to my dog. Why not the Lord? Going for my quiet time, will you? What about when you first woke up? I got, I got to close up. And I was doing this book and I close here. And the spirit, I've been studying John for well over a year and the Spirit of God woke me up. I'm not saying he, God said, but he, I, it felt like he came into my bedroom. He said, I want you to write a book on John. I just shut up. I didn't say anything. I thought he would go away. He said it again. I said, I don't want to write. I said, I, I'm tired of writing. He said, you're not tired. You're just lazy. So I shut up again. I thought I won't say anything. He said, well, I said, well, what? <laughs> if you can't be honest with God, who can you be honest with? He said, are you going to do the book? I said, who's going to pay for it? He said, haven't I paid for them all? I repented. I said, yeah. I said, Lord, but 
Why don't you get one of those big ministries on TV? They're the ones with all the money. Since the pandemic, it's been tough. It really, it's been tough. I'm just being honest. It's been tough. We haven't been able to go many places. I said, get one of them. He said, I'm asking you. So I wrote the book. Buy a book. Pass it on to somebody else. We run out, but we're going to send a batch up to your bookshop. So go and stick your name down. Would you stand up with me? When it's your turn to minister, I want you, you can do it your way. I want you to get out of your seats and come down the front. Everybody. Everybody. Come on. You can do that. Come on. Just get out of your seat and come down the front. See, love is just belonging. That's all it's about. And today, you know, we build big houses and we build walls and we separate ourselves. We very seldom really come together much. How about you even just join hands? There's a novel idea today. Do you know the church is supposed to be family? It's supposed to be a family. What better way than just rubbing shoulders with, hey, I've had my shower. If they haven't, well, hold your breath for a while. But how about we just worship together? Just forget about yourself. Can I just say this? Forget about, I, I don't want any prophecies. No great. Let's, let's just receive. Instead of just giving, you know what? The Spirit of God spoke to me. He says, do you ever shut up? I said, what? He said, you know, every time, it's always, he says, you're always on transmit. Why don't you just shut up and receive for a little bit? He said, I'd love to speak to you, but you never stop long enough to hear me. I just often just, I just stand there. I just worship and I just, I just listen. I just listen. Let's worship the Lord. Come on. Make him Lord of your life. Not asking about, can I have this? Can you do that? How about we just appreciate him? Thank you, Jesus. I'm the disciple whom you love. I'm the one that you love. That you gave your life just for me. Thank you for my home and my family. Thank you we live in the greatest country in the world. Despite all the problems, we live in the greatest country on the face of the planet. Do we ever give thanks? Or just grizzle?
what he could share, what he could say. All of those memories, he'd written all of those books from memory. He comes up, looks out over the congregation. He says, love one another. Love one another. And they would say, why would you, why would you just say that? He said, because that's the only command that our Lord gave us. The only law of the new covenant is love one another. As I've loved you, Thank you, Jesus. Gordon, you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. You're the disciple whom Jesus loves. Man, just looking at these awesome people. Jenny, you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. Just get a revelation of it. Get a, it'll change your life. It'll change your life, I guarantee you. I lost a very good friend to a heart attack and I was in a large church overseas and I'm sitting there and I was depressed. And in the worship service, not an audible voice, but you know how it speaks in your heart. He says, Carl, I love you. I even like you. You know what that does for you? He said, you know when you confessed your sin, is not one I found out about it. I've known you from your mother's womb. I love you. I like you. We're going to ride horses together. When he comes back, he's not coming back on a Harley. He's coming back on a white stallion. I love horses. I love horses. Does that make me a Mormon? I love, I love horses. Read it. He's coming back on a white stallion. And I'm going to be right behind him. I tell you what. Right and I love it. Brother, you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. Some of you need to hear that. You're the disciple whom Jesus loves. How could he possibly love me? Because it's called unconditional love. 
unconditional love. Lady, lady in the red, you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. He loves you. Loves you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I just ask you, give a revelation of what love really is. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But the greatest of these is love, because love never fails. Father, I just ask for revelation, illumination, that these people would have, as John did, that they could say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And love never fails. Love never fails. I just close. Would you just bow your head? Is there anybody here this morning that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to pass from the kingdom of darkness, of narcissistic self-love, to the kingdom of love, that the kingdom of light. Is there anyone at all? Just pop your hand up. I'll pray for you right where you're standing. I won't embarrass anybody. I won't drag you down the front. Just slip your hand up to indicate, would you pray for me? I want to be part of the family of God. Some of you don't really have a family when you do. You have one now. Just squeeze the hand of the person alongside of you. Come on, is there anyone? Would say, please, Pastor, would you pray for me? Pray for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then I call you the head and not the tail. And above and not beneath. Whatever you turn your hands to will prosper and succeed. That the enemy shall no longer find opportunities to come into your home and rob and kill and destroy your family and your kids because you're the disciple whom Jesus loves and love never fails love never fails Amen Amen Let's give the Lord a clap offering Can we do that? Thank you Praise God If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.